<laughs> Welcome to the Hot Mess Bible Club. I'm here with Hagen Jenkins today, and uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Good reading. I I got some points that I want to discuss. Okay. All right. All right. Or questions. All right. We're going to start in 11.1. We're going to read the whole chapter of 11 because it's important. It's important for you uh, and me to see our God in this light, he destroys his enemies. He doesn't He doesn't mess around. And when he tells you something, he means it. When he gives you instruction in his word, he means it. Uh, we're at uh, Exodus chapter 11, verse 1. We're going to read all of chapter 11. And, uh, well, let's just get going. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask, every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor, for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been before, nor ever will be again." But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. Whew! God's telling Moses, has told Moses, and Moses is telling Pharaoh, I'm going to kill your firstborn. Not only am I going to kill your firstborn, but I'm going to kill the firstborn of everybody in Egypt. And not only am I going to kill your firstborn, I'm going to kill the firstborn of all your animals, even your cows. And Pharaoh has seen nine plagues before this. He's just about ruined Egypt with plagues of locusts, plagues of flies, plagues of frogs. He's caused all kind of problems in Egypt. What do you think about it? Uh, I think it's... I think it's voluntary just ignorance to the fact that he's seen nine plagues before and still not willing to recognize God and he's um, got a hard heart it even it even tells us in the Bible that God hardened his heart more towards him God is wanting he's he's showing off God, God is showing some of his power because he, he, he could have gotten out of, he could have gotten his people, I believe, could have gotten his people out of Egypt sooner. But 
Egypt resisted him. The Pharaoh resisted him. There are gods over Egypt that we're going to read about in a little bit. God showing his power. And, and Egypt has abused the people of Israel, the Hebrew nation, for 400 years at this point. So I want to read. I want to read. What we're getting to is, are you covered by the blood? And, and you're probably wondering at this point, if you're not familiar with your Bible, what in the world being covered with the blood and uh, the Egyptians uh, letting the Israelites go have to do with one another? Well, this is, this is where we're fixing to tie it all together. God has told Pharaoh through Moses that I'm going to bring this last plague on you. I'm going to kill all your firstborn. But now, how's God going to kill all the Egyptians? You got to remember that the Israelites and the he—I meant the Egyptians and the Hebrews—are are, are kind of mixed together. The Egyptians live in their little their houses, but the Hebrews there are like two million of them, and they're the slaves of the Egyptians for four hundred years. So how's how's God going to kill all the firstborn of the Egyptians and not kill? Uh, the firstborn of the Hebrews. And here we find that on down in, in chapter 12. In chapter 12, verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. On all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. That's that's very interesting. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall befall you to destroy you when I strike the land. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. It is a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. What is that celebration called now? Do you know? I'll give you a hint. They still do it. They still. That's right. The Passover. Because God passed over every house that was covered in the blood. Every house. Because... Okay, so what does first of all before we get into are you, are you covered in the blood? Let's talk about what does being covered in the blood represent? Because it, it I don't right. think it represents Jesus's blood on the cross because that hasn't happened yet. Yes, it does represent Jesus's blood on the Not cross. Not directly. It does. It's a for, it's a forecast of things foresha- foreshadowing. That's a much better word. Thank you, college man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a foreshadowing of things to come. And and what's happening right now is a lamb is being sacrificed to a lamb or a goat. A lamb is being sacrificed and its blood's being shed, and that blood is going to have to be taken and put over the doorpost of every Hebrew household so that the death angel will pass over and not kill anybody in that house. Okay, yes, but in the spiritual world, in the spiritual world, yes, it does represent the blood of Jesus. By time, it represents the blood of Jesus. That's right. But to the Hebrew people, it most likely represents, because to them... It represents a lamb or a sheep with no spots or any kind of 
was, blemish, was a pure right. lamb. It was, it was pure. A pure sacrifice to the God. Yes, and I, I think right. that's what they it represented to them. That's right. Pure, and pure today, blood. today we realize that that was a foreshadowing of Jesus to come, the Savior to come, who would be the sacrificial lamb for us. And we see this, it ties in. I'm going to turn to John 129 real quick. John the Baptist is uh, is going to call Jesus the Lamb of God. Let me let me get all right. John chapter one verse twenty nine. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." Woo! There's your Lamb. There's your sacrificial lamb. Jesus was the sacrificial the lamb. lamb. His blood had to be shed. His life blood had to be shed so that he had to die so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that all sins could be the forgiven. Sacrifice to end all sacrifices. That's right. So that the, all the world might be saved, um, John 3.16. Okay, so what, for the people at home that are living in current times right what is our what is our blood what does it mean to be what yeah what is our blood, blood over the that's a good question are you covered in the blood that's the title of this episode and and that's what this represents are you covered in the blood of jesus we don't the modern church uh is disturbing uh because they don't look at god Nobody, nobody wants to fear God. They, everybody wants to talk about love, 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 and love is extremely important to God. But God is multifaceted. He, he, he is not just a two-dimensional mirror sitting on the wall. He is not only love. He is also justice. He is also mercy. Problem, he is also the grace. The problem with today's church is that they have all the love. They have no fear of God. They have. They've taken the justice out of the equation that's right that's right we don't no... fear god we don't fear judge they've been told so what a wonderful life you will have if you come to jesus no jesus said that what a tough life you're gonna have on earth now i'm gonna take care of you eternally when you get you but and i'm gonna take care of you and walk with you on earth and i will give you peace but in this world jesus says you will have trouble as the world hated me the world will hate you if you are mine. Are you covered in the blood? The blood of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for you. And it tells us in the Bible in many places in the New Testament that we have to be washed clean by the blood of Christ, by the blood of the sacrifice. We have to be washed clean. We have to be made white as snow and pure. And we are not. I certainly am not. Going back to Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The, bl the blood will be a sign for you. The blood, of, blood on the doorway, the, the blood of Christ, the blood of a pure lamb, uh... Being saved by Jesus' right. God's grace, however you want to take it, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I when I see the blood, I will pass over you. 
No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So who who's Okay, so right so, No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is this is a direct warning. Not not a not a He he's telling the Israelites. Yes. And he's telling the Egyptians, I'm going to kill all the firstborn of Egypt because you have kept my you have hurt my people. Okay, and then if you keep going to chapter 14, this could be a sensitive topic for some of those woke church people out there. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it. And they, celebrate. And, and we still celebrate do. as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Now, why some people may take this as we're celebrating a bunch of firstborn children dying, but that's not what's happening. We're celebrating... The, the ones that their doors were covered and they were saved by God's grace. Well, that's right. We're celebrating God's grace and we're celebrating the deliverance of God's people and that God's hand is mighty and he can deliver you from all injustice and all hurt and all pain. And that's what he's doing for his people here in Israel. And we still celebrate this today. The Jews still celebrate it. We still celebrate it. It's called the Passover feast, and it's a nasty meal. <laughs> it, it is. And God made it a nasty meal on purpose because it is a bitter. They have been in terrible times, and they have been in, in bitter spirits because they have been in slavery for 400 years to the Egyptians. The meal itself is nasty. It's, it really is. The, you've got the, the lamb. Uh, that may be the only tasty thing. Everything else, I don't remember. I'm ashamed to say I should have done it to prepare for this. But the Passover, Passover feast, there's bread with no yeast. So you've got hard, flat bread. And then you've got bitter herbs. Everything does, is not attractive. It does not taste good to you. Do You do not want to sit and stay with this meal. And that's what how God designed it because he wants the people to get up and go forward. Get up from this meal. Get up from this table. Don't be comfortable. Gather your things. It's time to get out of Egypt. The Exodus. The Exodus. Exactly. So you hit I, it. I was just about to get to that. Um, so I, I, I do have a question that I don't understand. Go ahead. Why did the Egyptians chase Moses and God's people after the ex or when the exodus was happening right happened. pharaoh agreed fa after he, he sent them out we haven't read this part of it yet but let me let me say this all right pharaoh this night happens and all the firstborn of egypt cattle firstborn cattle firstborn uh the pharaoh the the we might want to call him the king or the, he's considered a god by his own people his own firstborn son was killed this night and he calls Moses and Aaron to him in the middle of the night it describes this here in Exodus he calls Moses and Aaron to him and says get out take all your people take all take the take take the flocks and the herds and go just get out God has pummeled his enemies and and God has hurt the gods of Egypt and you're saying what are the gods of Egypt the gods of Egypt are fallen spirits that give the Egyptians and the Pharaoh the powers that they do have there are spiritual beings that 
and that's a whole nother podcast, but that, that are over these people that are guiding the Egyptians. And God calls them out. Here it is. Chapter 12, Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. That's that's not stuff you hear in Sunday school. They don't talk about the gods of Egypt in Sunday school. They don't talk about God striking the firstborn children dead, all of them, of his enemy. But he does that to get his people out. What what this is is a warning to you. If you are not with God, you are God's enemy. If you are not covered in the blood of the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, you are God's enemy. And if you are God's enemy, you will be destroyed at some point. You will be cast into hell. Nobody wants to talk about hell. Jesus talked about two things more than anything else. He talked about money. He warns you not to be greedy, and he ta- he talks about uh, hell more than he does heaven. Jesus talked about hell more than he did heaven because he wants to warn people to live right and to follow him and to be with him and to be a child of God to avoid hell. And, he, and, he, and we've become people pleasers, and the United Methodist Church is split because we've had weak leadership, they've, they've moved away from the Bible. The United Methodist Church it, we, I moved away from the Bible and the biblical thinking. Think, you know, Maybe somebody thinks that the Old Testament doesn't count anymore. Well, Jesus pointed you back to the Scriptures. Jesus rebuked the devil out of the book of Deuteronomy, word for word. All three of those tests that Satan gave him in the wilderness— He rebuked Satan all three times with words that were the exact words from the book of Deuteronomy. But yet, people in the modern church today think that the Old Testament doesn't matter. I've heard preachers like Andy Stanley say, oh, they're just stories. No, they're not. They're what God wants you to know about him and who he is. And Jesus warns a group of... There were some new converts that Jesus had... And he warns them about being people pleasers. What we've got in the in the United Methodist Church to, to, today, and in a lot of other places in the in the modern church, is we've got people pleasers. We worried about making people happy. We worried about entertaining people. We worried about getting them in the door and keeping them. We, that ain't what God tells you to do. God tells you to preach the gospel if they accept it. Jesus said, if they don't accept it, shake the dust off your feet and leave them alone. It'll be better on judgment day for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for them. Whether they take it or not, we're not called to entertain people. That's what they're trying to do in churches today. I'm sorry, I got away from what I was wanting. Jesus said, don't be people pleasers. And what we've got today in the church is a bunch of leaders who want to be people pleasers instead of God pleasers. Jesus, uh, they're afraid. The problem is they're afraid of the exodus. Because what I was going to get to was instead of looking at God's enemies in this story, let's look at God's people. Because God, it, in hindsight, we see that God's people 
the ones that put the blood, the pure blood of a lamb over the over their doorway. Right. In hindsight, we know that they're going to suffer. Oh yeah. For forty years. Well, they're going to suffer because they don't obey God. I, that's what I'm saying. He he gets them out of Egypt and he doesn't let them into the promised land because they keep turning their back on him the whole way they're for forty years. Calves and yeah, they're doing all kind of. But that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, but but what I'm what my point was is that even even in this situation, we in the story, it's easy to see just good and evil, which it, and it is. But the good the good people were still. Still had to suffer to see. We've got a good God killing firstborn children. And he's still a good God. Because those are not his people. That's hard to swallow. And then his people still suffer and don't get into the promised land. They suffer at their own hand, though, because they disobey God. That's what I'm saying. That's what and, I'm... and that's what's happening to people today. That's what's happening to the United Methodist Church. You're suffering today. Because you did not obey God. All right, and getting back to the people-pleasing thing, Jesus uh, had these guys come to him, and they said, we want to be with you. And he said, okay. And they, 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 made, they made him Lord of their life. They, they leave. It's their first day. They leave and go to the temple, and they, and they cower down they're preaching about Jesus in the temple and they cower down. This is in the New Testament. I don't remember exactly where it is. They cower down because some Jews get on them, you know, about talking about Jesus and, 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 and all in the temple. And so they shut up. They shut up. Well, Jesus catches up with them outside the temple and he's Jesus. He's God. So he knows what's happening. He, he gives them a warning that he gives to us because it's recorded in the Bible for us. He said, do not be afraid of people who can kill the body, but be afraid of God who can both kill the body and throw the soul into hell. Jesus tells a group of men this who have cowered down from telling the honest gospel truth about him. That's, that's powerful. Yeah. Only by the blood of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus, can can the death angel pass over you when you die. Because if you don't have the blood of Jesus on your life, if you don't have the blood of Jesus covering your heart, covering your soul, your mind, will, and your emotions, if you don't have the blood of Jesus covering you, if you're not following him, if he's not your Lord, then the death angel will not pass over you. You're going to die an earthly death, but the death angel and Satan are going to be with you in hell. Yeah, I mean, on judgment, if, if, they, if they don't see Jesus, that's right. you have to live like Jesus. Try to. We have a hard like, time yeah, with that. Like, live like Jesus. It's what's in your heart. I was... I, Last night, I read a little bit in John 15. John 15 is the vine parable, where Jesus, uh, the, the parable is that Jesus is the vine. We are the branches, and God the Father is the vine dresser. And the whole point of that is that we have to abide in the vine 
Jesus to have life and to so that we as the branches in the vine can produce good fruit. And we can only produce good fruit when God comes in our lives and cuts things out. He prunes us back. Yeah. Only then can we produce good fruit. And we don't like the pruning. We don't, so often it doesn't feel comfortable to be covered in the blood. Sometimes it feels messy. Sometimes we feel out of place. If you feel comfortable in this world system, then you may not be following Jesus. Step back and take a look at at yourself because Jesus promised you that in this world you would have trouble and if, and, and, but only in him would you find peace. This world is not our home. And we so often forget that. We try to make it our home and we try to make it and we get focused on worldly things and we get focused on making ourselves a more comfortable couch and we get focused on the entertainment that this world provides. All the distractions to keep us from the Word of God. How many people today are actually studying their Bible, meditating on their Bible, meditating on the Word of God? Jesus, in, in the, I love the way the book of John starts. John the Apostle wrote these words to start the, his, his letter to all Christians. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He's talking about Jesus as the Word of God, and he's writing the New Testament. This is John in the New Testament. He's not referring to the Word as being the Word he's writing. He's referring to the Word as being Jesus, and he's referring also to the Word in the Scripture. And the Scripture he's referring to is the Jewish Bible that was Jesus's Bible. And that Word is what we call the Old Testament, and we're scared to death of it. <laughs> It scares people half to death, and, 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 and so many people have wiggled away from the truth of, of the Old Testament, and it scares me. It scares me for those people, and we're seeing the fruits of that getting away from the truths of God, the Word of God, the bread of God. We're seeing the fruit of that in the splitting of the United Methodist Church. So much pain, so much arguing, so much... All over a lie, you know, that a form of sexual immorality is okay. That is, you know, if God says it's not okay, it's not okay. If you don't think that the Old Testament is the truth, then you've missed the whole point. You've missed the whole thing. Then you got nothing. If you got no true Old Testament, you got no true New Testament. You got no Jesus. So you better decide who who are you following? Who am I following? Are you following the truth? Are you following ice cream Jesus? Or are you following King Jesus? Ice cream Jesus lets you do what you want to. And is it real? No. He is, he is real. Ice cream Jesus is real, but he's demonic. He's not King Jesus. He's a fake Jesus. 
He lets you get away with your sexual immorality, your drugs, your alcohol. You you have a good. You just do what you want to do. You got him in your back pocket, ice cream Jesus. He'll make you feel good about yourself. You sing a little song and you'll be all right. It pacifies you. King Jesus demands that you this lay is- down your life, take up your cross, and follow him. Go ahead. This is a verse that represents King Jesus, the real Jesus, perfectly to me. This is Jesus talking. You are my war club, my weapon for battle. For I will, with you, I will shatter nations. With you, I will destroy kingdoms. What what passage is that? Jeremiah fifty-one twenty. Jeremiah fifty-one twenty. Cool. That's all. Do it again. You, Say it again. Jeremiah fifty-one twenty. You are my war club, my weapon for battle. With you, I shatter nations. With you, I destroy kingdoms. Are you somebody God can trust to use in difficult times? Are you covered in the blood of Jesus? Are you following King Jesus? Where's your life? Are you covered with the blood? Do you have troubles that you don't understand? If you don't have, don't be afraid of trouble. Troubles, you're going to have trouble. Quit crying all the time. God said to, God told Moses, tell my people to stop crying and go forward. Quit complaining. Go forward. Do what you got to do. It's not all going to be comfortable. It's not all going to be okay. There are going to be some tears. There are going to be some hard times because in this world, we face opposition. We face hard stuff. We face difficult times. And, With and the we're supposed to God, we can take you. That's right. That's right. Sword in hand. We love you. You want to pray us out or you want me to? <laughs> all right. Holy and beautiful Father, we want to know that we are covered in the blood of your Son, Jesus. We want to know that our sins are forgiven. We believe you that if we ask, we will receive forgiveness. That if we follow you, you will lead us into eternal life. Please forgive our sins. Please forgive our weaknesses and Be merciful to us, Father. Lead us each and every day. May we be lights into this world under you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you, friends. We love you. Till next time. Goodbye.